So if you're into astrology, you probably already know that big changes are afoot as Pluto enters Aquarius. Look, until last week, I did not know what that meant, but I did a bit of reading up and now I know that for those who observe, this is seen as a time for big transformations. And on Life Matters, this significant astrological event is as good a reason as any to have a conversation about big life changes, even complete U-turns. Sometimes these changes come out of the blue. Other times we're agents of our own life U-turns, like moving to a new country. I've done that a couple of times. Did you swap city life for country life or vice versa? Or make an unexpected career change? Or did you pack a bag and fly around the world to find yourself eat, pray, love style? How has that U-turn played out? What have you learned from it? And looking back, what do you wish you'd known at the time? Now, we haven't got an astrologist in today because this is Life Matters. We're going to go with <laughs> something a bit more evidence-based. No offense to those who observe. Um, someone who's made some big life changes of her own is Dr. Zoe Krupka. Zoe is a psychotherapist, and she's here to help us understand why we might make these big changes in our lives and what we can learn from them. Zoe, welcome back to Life Matters. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, let's talk about ourselves. I alluded to some big life changes, moving countries. Tell me about your big life change. What leap did you take? Well, like you, I moved here, and I moved here from Canada. And... Uh, you know, when you asked me and I was reflecting on it, I realized, you know, there was a lot in my life that was ending at the time. I'd broken up with my girlfriend and she had a much, much cooler new girlfriend who was a bass player. And um, my never-ending degree had ended and the bar where I worked as a DJ was closing. And, you know, I really took the first boat out. I, I was in a relationship with an Australian I'd been here before, and I thought, okay, I'm going. Let's take the plunge. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to just shake this up. And dare I ask how many years ago that was? That was in 1990. Wow. So, you know, there were dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was great. I had to work as a vet nurse for ages, but that's, that's how I'm a psychotherapist now, because I was a terrible vet nurse, but I was good at talking to people whose pets had died. So... You know, you never know where it's going to take you. One life you turn led to another. Yeah, yeah. That's an incredible story. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to moving to Australia. We have such a huge migrant population here. And that is such a commonly held shared experience of a big life U-turn. So those are some of the reasons why you yourself, there was a, a, a confluence of, of change or a confluence of things coming to an end at a particular time. Um, still, I imagine that there were some fears or some risks or just the unknown, right? Um, was that exciting or was that overwhelming? Well, you know, when you look at these life changes, some people run easily and jump easily. And at that time, I was one of those people. So my fear of being stuck was much stronger than my fear of going into the unknown, mm. which was not always a good thing. It turned out well <laughs> in this situation. But that was my big fear, was that I would find myself in the same place in 10 years' time. Right. And now, looking back many decades later, what are your thoughts on that big U-turn? What a nutty thing to do. 
Like, uh, you know, looking back, I think I had no idea the terror of going somewhere. I think I had $500, which I felt was a lot of money at the time. <laughs> the things we do when we're young. Yeah. The fearlessness. Yeah, It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure anybody listening who wants to share their life U-turn story uh, may be able to relate to that sense of fearlessness and fear at the same time. What was your big life U-turn? Uh, did you change countries? Did you change careers? Did you move locations? There are so many drastic things that you can do in your life. Life is sort of a choose-your-own-adventure type of situation sometimes. Now, if there's someone who's listening to this chat who is considering making a major change in your life, what questions should they be asking themselves? I think the really big one, and this is a hard one to answer, is what is actually the change that I need to make? Yeah, so I think you can really trust the feeling of something needs to change, right? But often what we get wrong is, what is it? Should I move house? That's Should right. Should I go somewhere? Should I take a holiday? That's right. You know, like a really mundane example of that is, you know, when you feel like oh, I've got to cut my hair. It's like, you know, mm, hold on. You might. But there might actually be something bigger than that that needs to change. Okay. And that's hard to answer. So how do you figure that out? You well, I think the first thing is your feelings, right? You know, you talked about fear. So first I have to think, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? Am I, you know, am I grieving? Am I angry about something in my work? Am I fearful? And then at what really? You know, is it, you know, my partner? Is it my workplace? And that takes time to reflect because if we want to jump and we have that impulse to jump, you know, we'll maybe do what I did, which is to take the first ship going. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not always the best way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm happy to be here. Definitely one say. option. <laughs> um, there's that, what am I feeling? But is there also the other piece of what do I want? What am I craving? Yes. Yeah. Or what am I lacking? Yeah. And you can really see that in your longings and your envy and your jealousy of other people. You know, when you think about who who has this life and is doing something that I really, really want to do, and what do I know I keep bumping up against that I'm and backing away from because it's too scary, because the major U-turn you need to make is going to be without a doubt the scariest option, not the easiest one. Mm. And maybe it's not packing up and going and going to another country for a year. Maybe it's actually dealing with the crap that's making you unhappy. That's right. Right. So yeah. we've got to figure out whether we're escaping or genuinely seeking some kind of change. Totally. Right. Well, it's always harder than it appears, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it all, it's always much it harder is. than it appears. Um, depending on your individual situation and the, the change that you're mulling over, who should people be talking to? Should they be talking to friends or loved ones? Because, you know, friends or loved ones may have different motivations or concerns. Yeah, totally. So, I, I mean, I think it's like when you have anything to run by a friend and you have to ask yourself, am I calling the person I know who's going to tell me what I want to hear or who's really going to put the kibosh on, on this particular decision or are they going to be too stressed by the idea of me going? Fair enough. 
Um, so I've got to think about that really carefully and even prep them and say, look, I really just need to talk this through with you. Can you help me with it? I really want to know what you think. Let's take a call now from Freya in Melbourne. Freya, welcome to Life Matters. You took a trip with your teenage daughter. Tell me about what that life U-turn was like for you. Yeah, sure. I just finished my undergrad in psychology. Um, I was a mature age student, single parent, trying to upskill and get my life together. She was in um, finishing year nine and going through a very, very hard time in her mental health, like a lot of our teenagers at that age. But um, we tried sort of everything and I was at my wit's end and just felt like I needed to kind of pull her up by the scruff of the neck and take her out of her context of the kind of toxicity of the high school situation she was in. And we went um, to Perth for six months to save up some money with my parents. And then we backpacked around Europe and India for six months. And it was just an incredible life change and a big leap of faith. And it sounds like I can hear some emotion there, Freya. It sounds like it was a positive change. What do you think taking that time out and just kind of checking out of your everyday what did you gain, you and your daughter, through that experience? Oh, so much perspective, I think, is the big thing. Just seeing how other people live their lives. I really wanted to show her that there was a life, you know, beyond what what was absorbing her in her, you know, in her sphere um, and was getting her so down. And all of the comparisons and all of the, um, you know, the feeling of expectation of what she should be and then take her to see people on biodynamic farms in Italy, in Tuscany, and learning how to cook and, um, the, you know, the incredible sites of India It was um, and, and all of the economic disparity there. So the pers perspective was definitely the, the key, I think. I love that, Freya. I love the, that's what we haven't talked about, Beverly. I think the, the sort of shake-up of perspective mm. and really thinking I need to take myself out of this little bubble where I'm not only stuck, but I'm being hurt to be reminded that there are other ways to live and other ways to think about things. That's, it's incredibly so valuable. Yeah, travel She's is lucky some... to have you as a mom. Absolutely. Sounds like the trip of a lifetime. <laughs> now, Freya, now that you're back in Australia, how do you feel post that epic trip? You know, we try to hang on to the perspectives that we gain and all that learning and all of that world view widening as long as we can but once you come back to the everyday do you feel like you've been able to hang on to that i think it's sort of integrated very in a sort of very long um kind of long lasting way like it's it definitely was a bump coming back and it was hard for my daughter to come back and reintegrate with her high school mates who hadn't had that experience so that was something i hadn't kind of accounted for beforehand but I can see now that she's 24 and her, her career and you know what she has um, you know she's taken on some really big political kind of issues in her career and I think she's she's got she's um, integrated that perspective in a really long-term way and, and I think I have as well so yeah it's definitely been rich for our relationship. Freya, thank you so much for calling in. That was Freya sharing her story of how travel really helped to change track for a period of time and how it's carried through into their lives to today. If you have a big life U-turn story that you want to share and reflect on, I'm here with Dr. Zoe Kripka, and you can call us both on one 300 
5576. Let's take another call from Nicola in Canberra. Welcome to Life Matters, Nicola. What's your big life U-turn story? Hi, um, I actually um, went back to uni to study visual arts, majoring in gold and silver smithing um, in 2018. So I was on the, I studied an undergrad in law and did a master's in international human rights law and was kind of working in that area. And then I had a couple of bad experiences at work and decided to go back to uni um, part-time and quit the human rights side and become an artist. That's quite a U-turn. And so yeah. <laughs> how has life shifted as a result of that big change? Um, I really needed to get back in touch with my creativity. I think um, it was something that I was really repressing for such a long time um, because I thought I should be a human rights lawyer and try and save the world. And that's really what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, I've still got that passion and that interest. And um, I also just really needed to nurture my creativity. And it was something that I, that I did a lot as a child. Um, and then through, through life, you kind of just push that down. Um, and basically I've become a much happier person as a result of it. And I, now have a studio in a wonderful um, shared art space in Canberra, M16 art space, little shout out, um, and stock in various galleries and participate in shows. And it's just, I've got a really nice work-life balance at the moment. Nicola, just to dig a little deeper with you, and thank you mm -hmm. so much for sharing your story. What was it like, I guess, m emotionally and mentally adjusting from thinking I'm going to be someone who saves the world and kind <laughs> of taking stock of that and maybe grieving that a little bit and then yeah. moving into another area where, you know, the kind of idea of a starving and struggling artist is really pervasive. Yeah, um, that grieving is a really good word to capture what I felt like I was going through because I felt, I actually went on an overseas trip and I realised I was really unhappy. Um, and travelling overseas, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going on this beautiful holiday, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and what it really showed me was how unhappy I was. Even I was even overseas and I couldn't be happy. You know, I was even traveling the world and I was still, there were still these issues that were, um, that were, were in my life. Um, and I really needed to shift that. And I thought, I just need to get back in touch with something that I know for, for my, throughout my whole life has made me feel really good. And that's being creative. And I was doing some short, um, silversmithing courses um, with an Australian um, jeweller in Canberra at the time, Alison Jackson. Um, and I just decided to kind of encourage me to think about going back to uni. And so I went back to ANU part-time and, yeah, just pursued that part-time as a mature-age student, I guess, um, with a couple of 19 and 20-year-olds who are now my great friends and who I'm exhibiting with. And it, it's been a really great experience. Well, that's amazing story. Thank you, Nicola, for sharing that with us. And well done. Keep going. Zoe, this Nicola's call reminds me of some of the things that you mentioned when we first started this conversation about when you're thinking about the change to make, you've got to actually look inward and figure out what's missing or what's making you unhappy. Yeah, which I think, you know, Nicola described really well there, which is the the sense of, I think she used the word repression, so something that just keeps bubbling up. I think most of us have had that experience of this kind of longing, or as, as she was saying, this kind of unhappiness that they keep bumping up against. And that's a huge U-turn that she had to make 
um, as a result of that. But you can also see, even though she talked about the loss of that, what she might have felt maybe 20, 30 years down the track mm. had she not been able to listen to that. If you cast forward and you yeah. think, where am I going or where am I headed if I don't? make this change. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very valuable exercise. Let's take one more call from Jan in Mentone. Welcome to Life Matters, Jan. Tell us about your big you, change. Baby. Well, uh, I, in, in about 1990, I'd, I'd turned 50. I wasn't particularly happy with my job. My partner left me for a younger woman. And so I packed up my house uh, put everything in storage, rented it out, flew to America and bought a camper van and I ended up spending about uh, nearly six years driving myself around uh, 160,000 miles, breaking down all the time on a very um, strict uh, budget, um, but it was wonderful and I learned an awful lot about myself uh, was a journey of self-discovery as well as a huge adventure, and it changed my life. That's amazing. I think we, Life Matters listeners go on such wonderful adventures, don't they, Zoe? <laughs> they <Kuka>? do. <laughs> um, and coming back then, <clears throat> how, what are your thoughts on why that was such an important time for you? Um, well... I think I was stuck in a bit of a rush, um, and it was a it was a journey in my life that I'd often an adventure that I often thought I might like to take, um, but I guess it was just because I, I had nothing much here that uh, to stay for really, just at that time I wasn't really happy, and uh, and felt a bit lost, but that journey. Um, just gave me a huge amount of uh, self-discovery. I realised I was much more self-reliant. I didn't have to depend on anybody else. Uh, I even learned a bit about motors because <laughs> I, I broke down all over the place. Um, I was, you know, stranded um, and often, you know, terribly worried and in tears, but somehow I got through it all. So it was a huge, huge journey of self-discovery, as well as learning an awful lot about other people, um, kindness when and, and travelling alone as a woman. Um, it, yeah, it was just complete freedom, I suppose. I was answerable to nobody. I could do whatever I like. I had no real plans. I could just move on when I felt like it. Uh, yeah, it was just amazing. And I've written a book about it in the end. <laughs> That's amazing. Well. Jan, thank you so much for calling in and telling us about your huge, big life adventure. And of course, these kinds of things can happen because you engineer them or because life throws something unexpected at you. So it can be both of those genres. You can also tell us about an unexpected life U-turn that you had to roll with, essentially. And let's talk about that a little bit, Zoe Kripka. And Jan's call touched on that a little bit because it was a breakdown of a relationship that took her by surprise. So, And it just showed, obviously, we don't always have a say in some of our major life changes. You know, just if your partner's left you or you've lost a job, how can we manage that unexpected change? And like Jan did, turn that into a life change of your own choosing. Well, I think what she was talking about there that's really interesting is exactly what you said. She was dealt 
something really difficult to deal with. And I think it took her back to um, what had I always wanted. You know, you might have a relationship breakdown and it might take you back to small things you've wanted, like I'm going to eat spicy food again. Great. That hooray. could be your life U-turn. That's like yeah. your life U-turn. <laughs> but Jan's like, okay, this is kind of scorched earth here. I didn't choose this. And so I have this space to choose something I might have always wanted. And she also talked about something really important, I think, that Freya touched on as well, which is I need to remind myself of what I'm capable of doing. Because when I don't remember that, then I can't really take responsibility for my life in the same way. Mm, Very powerful lesson. Let's take another call from Anne in Maitland. And welcome to Life Matters. Tell us your life change story. Uh, Well, uh, this is a long time ago. It was in um, 1978. And I was a a mother with two children. And I was a single parent by that stage. And my daughter was five and my son was seven. And I was working as a laboratory assistant in Armadale. And um, for quite a long time, I had sort of thought about doing medicine and my mother was sort of the source of a bit of this, but because she had a similar, she'd studied science as I had. And my father died when I was very small. And my mother had always said over her lifetime that she wished she'd gone and retrained to do medicine. And I thought, I'm not going to get to 65 and um, not try. So um, I applied to do medicine at um, Newcastle University and I was um, in the first intake um, and it took me six months to get in and my hair started to go grey during that time because <laughs> I was so anxious about it. But you made it, obviously, and, you, and now you work as a doctor. Uh, well, what what happened was that I, I did medicine and then I've I've now had, and I still work, I work one day a week. Um, I've always worked in rural health. And um, I suppose, um, I think, you know, that I've had such a satisfying career that if I hadn't taken that leap, going on the single parents benefit for, for five years and, um, you know, doing a bit of part-time work as well, um, I never would have had the satisfaction in my life that I've had be, by working in rural health. Absolutely. What a amazing story and thank you also for working in rural health where we need so many doctors so thank you so much for your call and actually before i let you go what's your word of advice for people who are pondering a similar kind of change how do you want to give them a bit of strength and cheer them on uh well i think that i've I've actually thinking of writing a memoir because i've often taken chances i i worked as a volunteer in new guinea and then i went to africa and spent uh, several years in africa um, and I think that particularly women, um, they often sort of think that they can't do things rather than that they can do things. And I've found that the only way to um, get uh, get satisfaction in life is to actually do the things that you want to do sort of thing. Well, maybe the, writing the memoir is your, is your next big life change. And thank you so much for calling in and appreciate your call. We've got world travelers, we've got memoirs, we've got everybody listening on Life Matters this morning. Zoe, interesting point that Anne made was that that life change can sometimes seem so insurmountable. So what are some strategies to say, for example, not 
not swallow that elephant all at once? How can we manage that in smaller steps? Mm. Well, she talked about some key things. You know, I just want to detour a bit to the single parent payment and what that did, you know, particularly for women at that time. So those kind of structural supports for U-turns are, you know, are key. But she... um, she looked back a generation as well mm. to the regrets of her own mother. You know, my, mo- my mother used to always say, don't be a nurse, be a doctor. My mother was a nurse. <laughs> you know, so she, she knew what doctors that experience was. <laughs> exactly. Yes. She was so happy. So you look at that and you think, okay, like Jan said, I don't want that dissatisfaction. And that kind of... Uh, sort of ultimate goal that she kept in her mind sounds like it kept her going through those six months of trying to get into med school that in a sense that fear of being as she said 65 and living with that regret so that kind of projection into the future is really really important because when things keep going under into the unconscious again like nicola was talking about it keeps coming up it keeps coming back i need to find a way to hold on to it that is in a sense where i'm more scared of not having it than i am of having it support is a really interesting um uh leg on this stool isn't it because i think when we think of life u-turns we think of very individualistic acts. I'm doing this for me, me for me. I'm going to go do that eat, pray, love thing where it's just me. But in reality, you can make a big life turn, life U-turn and be supported or seek support along the way. It doesn't have to be this solo me against the world kind of thing, does it? No, that's a very particular, you know, eat, pray, love. It's Mm -hmm. a very particular privilege, position of privilege. And it's also, as you say, very individualistic. I'm going to find myself. Whereas kind of Jan's situating herself in kind of a family legacy. And we do need support. You know, she's talking very about very concrete financial support as well, Um, but also people who are in your corner. Um, You know, most of my friends who've done, let's say, a PhD will say, I couldn't finish it while I was in that job or in that relationship or in that situation. So there are often supports that are invisible. Mm -hmm. Now, we are taking your calls to get your amazing stories so far about big changes in your life that you've taken and what you've thought and what drove you to them. And we welcome them. But I do want to touch on the fact that sometimes, Zoe Kripka, we can make a big life change and we can have regrets. What then? Um, Yes. Um, You know, your producer, Lisa, said this to me when we were talking about that this question before the show about how there are always losses, always. Um, you know, I live here, my family, my old friends are in Canada. Mm. I have no one in this country who knew me before I was 24. Um, that's that's huge. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. isn't that, you know, you mm. think, and you have to, first of all, kind of accept that there isn't going to be a perfect decision that isn't going to have a loss. But obviously, people do make terrible mistakes. You know, I've made some of them, you may have made some of them. And the digging yourself out of that hole of that mistake, in a funny way, is the exact same work you have to do to make the good big U-turn. All comes back to the same stuff, doesn't it? It does. This is it's what happens boring. when you talk to a psychotherapist. 
<laughs> work, work, work. <laughs> All right, let's talk to Kirsty in Melbourne. Welcome to the show, Kirsty. Tell us about your big life change. Yeah, so I don't know that it's really huge, but I've got two kids and they both have autism and when they were eight and five, they talked a lot about... Um, I sort of had that... There was a, a doctor that took his son overseas and it helped sort of change his son's way of thinking about the world. So I made a decision to take both my boys overseas. Um, my partner wasn't isn't a traveller, so I did it. And we travelled around just Europe and um, France and England. And they're now 14 and 11. And they both still say when they have a difficulty around change and a fear around doing something new, that they say to me, well, we can do anything because we did that trip and we did a 30-hour plane flight and two stopovers and we went around Europe and France. And they now say, oh, you know, Dad, you know, Potter's in the garden with us and Mum takes us travelling and they still want to do that. And it was very, yeah, it was really momentous. And so that was one thing that I just wanted to let people know it was a big risk and it was hard but it was really rewarding at the same time I did lots of planning obviously and then the other thing that I've recently done is just really working out what gives me joy in work because as a mum with two kids who do require a lot of support I've always done part-time or pick jobs that suited the, the workplace and suited my family And I'm still doing that, but I found a job recently that I was offered um, that the job has actually agreed to meet whatever terms I require. And it's not sort of like a high-level management job like I've been doing before. It's actually a workforce development role and it, it will enable me, I think, to help others with their own thinking about their career and what they want to do. And it took me a lot of time over the having a six-week break to really think and reflect and go into that deeper level of thinking that you do when you've had a longer break with work to really think about what what did I want for me because I have done a lot for everyone else for the last 14 years. So it's hopefully it's a risk and hopefully it'll pay off. I start on Tuesday, so we'll see. Well, break a leg, Kirsty. Thank you and, and, and good luck. Zoe, did you want to add anything there? Yeah, I think Kirsty brings up a, a really important point, which is sometimes, although I have to say, you know, it is it is huge what she's talking about, mm-hmm. but I understand kind of where she is positioning it, that sometimes we think of U-turns as gigantic, and often the more impactful ones are not always that huge. Uh, or seem that huge from the outside. Some of them are like she says, making a decision. Okay, it's time for me to put this first. On that note, Zoe, and I think that's a very uh, strong point to make. Is you don't have to pack your bags and go somewhere to make a big change. If you make some kind of change in your everyday life, that is possibly much more profound in many ways than going away somewhere for a month or two and then coming back to the same issues that you didn't deal with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and also, like like you talked about, I think it was with Freya, how do you maintain that mm. um, big experience that you had? And that's the, actually, that's the hardest part. Um, and so those smaller incremental changes, like, um, you know, there's somebody in my life who has a kid who has addiction problems and, you know, and he's making the decision that he's not going to allow himself to feel responsible for that anymore. 
Yeah. That is huge. That is like moon travel, really, in mm-hmm. terms of a U-turn. So sometimes we, we really see them as external when they're often internal. Yep. Yep. Let's hear from Christine in Melbourne. Welcome to Life Matters, Christine. Uh, tell us your story. Hello. Um, look, six years ago, I went online and met a beautiful man and fell in love, but I was very nervous about going into a relationship with him. I was living in Ballarat at the time and having a lovely life. I was 60. I was 60 at the time and six months into being with him, he got a terminal cancer diagnosis of um, Hodgkin's, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I had to try and decide whether I was going to stay and be with him or leave. I decided to be with him. And then about five months later, I got a diagnosis of terminal metastatic breast cancer. Um, So I sold up everything in Ballarat and came to live in Melbourne with him. And I nursed him to his death which was pretty hard because I was terribly ill myself. Um, And I went downhill um, doing that because it was really hard to deal with his family and his demise. Anyway, he left me in his house. I don't own it, but he said to his children he wanted me to stay in his house until I either died or didn't want to be there anymore. So I decided I would make the most of it and I got myself a little dog. I've never had a dog in my life and didn't know if I could handle it health-wise. And at the same time, a friend of mine asked me if I'd like to do some watercolour painting with her. So now I have this little angel. It's five years since my diagnosis. I should be dead. (laughs) I'm still here and I have an art room in this house that is of art wow! and I'm living the best life I have ever lived minus my darling man but on my own uh, by choice because I'd rather be a bit of a hermit and that's huge for me because I've always been a people person so mm. my life has changed I can't believe how much it's changed Oh, the, happy. the changes that you've described, Christine, and all of the difficulties as well. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear about, you know, your losses and the, the struggles with cancer. But it sounds like you you have come to such a, a good place, and that's quite profound. I suppose, what's your lesson or advice or, or thought that you want to leave with people today who are confronting mm-hmm. perhaps something very, very difficult. But uh, And it's very hard when that happens, isn't it, Zoe, mm-hmm. to be able to think about the future. Yeah. What do you, Have you got any thoughts there, Christine? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, look, my sister died of, can- of the same cancer um, within two years of getting it um, 10 years ago. And I noticed in her eyes when she got her diagnosis that she lost all her life. And I think seeing in her eyes and watching the way she lived the last two years of her life gave me the greatest lesson. Mm. It's do everything you can, even if you try to do it and you can't do it, at least have that 
will and hope to enjoy that pleasure and that experience. And if it works out, great. But if it doesn't, you've at least tried. And don't hold back on giving yourself everything that you would love to have. Look, I'd love to be out there doing, um, working in an op shop or helping in a food, you know, stall for people who are homeless. I would love it. I can't possibly stand for long periods of time. I can't do some things that I would love to do, but I do what I can. Absolutely. You have to live. Yes. Christine, thank you so much. It's been a beautiful story that you've shared with us on Life Matters. We appreciate you so much. Let's go straight to Sarah in Sydney with another Life U-Turn story. Sarah, tell us your story. Hello. First of all, that story of Christine's just was heart melting. So um, thank you for that, Christine. So mine is a very different story. I'm going to be 68 in a, a month's time. When I was about 59 and having a terrible time with menopause but um instagram just started in about 2014 it would have been my children suggested i do instagram to to um promote my jewelry business so i started an instagram page and was chugging along you know enjoying the creativity thinking this was a big change and my husband took a photograph of me i never i always used to never have my photograph taken um but my daughter posted this photograph of me on her instagram page and I won't regale you with how it happened, but in a, sh- in a nutshell, this particular photograph went viral. It was reposted by a brand whose clothing I was wearing after they asked me for permission. And it was, it's been seen millions and millions of times. So you became an overnight Instagram influencer, yes. Sarah? Yes, I did. Absolutely against my will because I'm an incredibly private person. My business is very wow. small and very private. And suddenly I had to contend with... Well, at my at the height, I had I had two hundred and fifty odd thousand followers. She whiz. Um, but but basically, so basically, what I then did is I unfollowed everybody because I didn't want all my people to be compromised, and because I'm very big on privacy. But from this viral situation, I was given work all over the world in modelling, and basically because I'm old looking i haven't had any um cosmetic surgery and i'm not dissing cosmetic surgery at all but my choice has been not to do that i never took hrt i have white white hair yep and at the time it was very rare because there were not very many a old women um on instagram nor people with white hair you know it was quite a shocking thing so and also i dress a bit strange as well so then i got picked up by (laughs) so 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 then i started another instagram page and a hashtag which is my wrinkles are my stripes that will give you an indication potentially of the brand that you used my image um but it was also because my father was in the air force and if you were if you had more stripes on your epaulette, it meant you were sort of right. higher ranking. So it was an indication that having stripes, as in wrinkles on your face, it's a proof of growing old with power and strength. So, I, But I, I was always quite traumatized and asking, why was this happening? Yeah. Why was this happening to me? And I was resisting, having, resisting it, but I knew I had to do it, but I didn't know why. But I knew that really 
I have been part of the women no longer colouring their hair movement. That's fantastic, Sarah. That's such an extraordinary story. You've taken us on so many unexpected turns. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing that amazing story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all the other ladies. All inspirational. Absolutely. Uh, Zoe Kripke, we we have to wrap up on that call. But just to consolidate, if someone's listening and and you want them to hang on to something from this conversation about making a big life change, what golden nugget would you dispense? Well, I would say what Sarah said at the end, really, which is let the people around you also give you information about what maybe you need to do Mm -hmm. and really reflect on what it is that you long for. That's beautiful. Zoe, thank you. Dr. Zoe Kripka is a psychotherapist and a senior lecturer in counseling and psychotherapy at the Can Miller Institute. And uh, just one text here. Uh, Hi, Beverly. I've made so many U-turns, had the richest life, most big turns after 50 years old with my daughter who has Asperger's. Thank goodness my dad told me I can do and be anything. I'm now 75 years old looking for yet another adventure. Go you. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.